I would and adults never are like that consider too. myself, maybe I don't see myself well, but I don't consider myself sassy per se, but. I don't think you're pretty sassy. Oh, but gosh. <laughs> um, ask, I don't, ask your friends. I don't know. Yeah. They're nodding their heads. <laughs> I don't think I'm sassy. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, uh, I mean, if, if we're... Okay. I can get let's fired just, up. Quick side note. Let's just say uh, we're... There's a scale of one to 10 on sass. Okay. I know people in my life that would be like a 10 on the sass scale. Yeah. That are probably eights <laughs> on the Enneagram. <laughs> But uh, I'd, I'd give you like a seven. Really? Yeah. Welcome to our third episode of No Small Thing. My name is Scott. And I'm Macy. And this week we are talking about uh, something we're titling Age and Wisdom. This, this was... Uh, Inspired by a class I took at SPU about 20 years ago. This whole thing is? Uh, I don't know about the whole thing, but... I didn't know that. I mean, I think it's also inspired by the fact that we both work with high school kids. Yeah, and, and I think it's like a I'm part... I'm a youth pastor. Yeah, we both... That's how we know each other, mm-hmm. is working with youth. So I think uh, we pay attention to age, and we both really value youth and... Children. I really value children. I don't, I don't value children. <laughs> so uh, many, 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 many years ago, I was taking a class called adult discipleship. And so as basically 19-year-olds, we were attempting to learn how to teach adults. And in the class, uh, the, we, we were reading some psycho- psychological development books. And uh, we read a book by James Fowler, if anybody knows who James Fowler is. And in the midst of this class, it was emphasized that too often we value older folks for their wisdom. Hmm. And so that's uh, putting an unhelpful dynamic in the midst of a relationship when everybody has wisdom to offer. And so the, the professor in the book emphasized that older folks should be valued more for their memory and not necessarily their wisdom, because everybody has wisdom to offer. What do you mean by wisdom? I, th- I, I guess the way I interpreted that as I've uh, been a youth pastor and worked with kids is that adults tend to think that they have the best perspective, the most uh, thorough viewpoint, and uh, they don't really listen to kids. And, and that's something that our whole culture, uh, churches, uh, institutions, uh, schools uh, support, yeah, and and parenting. Like every, all parents think that they are there to offer their wisdom. Hmm. Um, so, and I think for like kids and youth, they are like they know that they know that adults are the ones who are supposed to know the things, and like they're not their voices aren't taken as seriously. They know that like everybody's a, the expectation is that adults are the ones with the wisdom. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what is. I don't know, ingrained. Mm-hmm. And so for over, over the years, as, as I've had that in the back of my mind, I, I get um, fairly discouraged and impatient when I watch adults in particular get sad that kids aren't appreciating them for their wisdom. Hmm. And I think it's really problematic. And adults have a lot of awesome things to offer, including wisdom, but not... Uh, but kids have to offer that as well. And, and most adults aren't really seeking that from kids or, be, or approaching them with curiosity. Hmm. And so when I was thinking about this episode, since we both work with high schoolers, I, I was thinking about this idea of having a conversation about our approach to working with kids and having a relationship with them and yeah. the way we see them. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I think it was in my classes, yeah, at SPU, that I like started to understand conceptually the value of looking to children and youth, I would say, for what they have to like offer. I remember taking a class and we just talked a lot about like how much fuller are like church services, just even like take a church service, how much like fuller they become when we allow there to be space for kids to do things like cry or laugh or dance or like be kids and we allow that space and for like youth to be a part of the service and I remember like sitting in that class like almost crying being like yeah that's so like that's what we are supposed to be doing like as people is like living in like 
seeing the value in every single person and like where they're at, wherever their age is, they have so much value and like we have so much to engage with. So, yeah. What you just said brought up something completely unexpected for me, which is a What's story <laughs> of my daughter, uh, Avery, and we were at a concert and it was a Sarah Groves concert. And I can say that because this does not reflect poorly on Sarah Groves. I guess I won't say where the concert was, but it was local. <laughs> and so we went to the Sarah Groves concert and it was, uh, it was full. It was at a church. So it was in a sanctuary. And um, she has some really beautiful music and it's, the lyrics are very profound and pretty contemplative and moving. And so my daughter Avery uh, inevitably got bored. Now, and she's 12 now, so she's probably like nine. So she asked very casually to go to the back of the sanctuary. Hmm. So we were in the very back of the sanctuary and she just started dancing. Hmm. And then she started doing some of her little cartwheels. Nobody could hear it. Nobody was distracted. Yeah. It was, it was really pretty beautiful actually. And um, out of nowhere, this like lay usher kind of came out of nowhere and was like, mm. it was like, an older woman. She's like, absolutely not. Stop it. That is not the place for this. There is a, there is a jungle gym outside for kids to do that sort of stuff. Oh. And Avery had this huge look of shock and sadness on her face. Mm. And I was like, I don't think Sarah Groves would have supported this. decision. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, that's how we treat youth so often is like, we're have, we're, we're uh, banishing them to the playground yeah. and we can't make space literally uh, and metaphorically just in our hearts and minds for kids, but like just in the actual literal physical space, mm-hmm. we, we have to be like, that's not appropriate here. Yeah. You know? We, they have like sectioned off spaces and places to be. And like, that's that was another thing I learned in one of my classes was that like, uh, youth, particularly teens are like the group that's the least like intergenerationally, like they are always with peers. Like they're always surrounded by their own peers. And it's like, why? Like, why is it that we've created this system, I guess, where teens are constantly, I mean, it's, I, maybe it's partially just because teenagers want space, but I think a lot of it also I, is. I, I don't think they want it as much as people think. Yeah, that's, isn't that your big thing that it's like yeah. you lean into this when they want space? Mm-hmm. Another thing I want to say is that um, we chose this for our second episode. Is it second episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Pilot? no, I think it's our third episode. Third episode. Okay. Um, because we want to show that we're not like just covering pop culture. Like we want to talk about other things. Like yeah. in our list, we said, you know, we want to talk about feminism. We want to talk about defense mechanisms. We want, we oh, want to talk yes. about the artists that we like, like 21 pilots. Color. Uh, but we want to interview people. <laughs> color. So I, yeah, we want to talk about color. <laughs> so I, I didn't, I, I thought it would be cool to just be like, here's, here, here's kind of a quick, sharp turn into a different direction to show like a, a lot of the different types of things we want to talk about. I also think it makes sense that we would talk about it because like that's part of like why I think you and I like are friends is because like the way that you but the way that we value each other like regardless of our age and like maybe in our age we mm-hmm. value each other. So youth ministry and playlists, a big bonding point yeah, for us. True. Yeah, those are also yeah, probably our two biggest bonding things. Yeah. So another reason I think that we wanted to do this or I'll speak for myself, I wanted to is like to address the idea that like Macy's 23, I'm 38. And so there's an age difference and Mm. people have brought that up. I mean, it's not like a huge deal, but I think doing this podcast with you is just another extension of the same idea. Like I think you're very wise and I think you have a ton of great perspectives to offer and I benefit from hearing your perspectives. And so there is no, in my mind, in terms of the wisdom and perspective being offered in our relationship, there's no uh, really clear distinction between. Yeah. I don't. I don't think like I'm more wise or I have better things to say than you or something because I'm older. Yeah, and I think that like that's helped. I mean, that's that's awesome. Like you, as a person who gets to be around you, like there's not many adults that take what I have to say as seriously as you do. So. Oh, and I hope it's not I'm saying like I'm. Look how cool I am listening oh, to young people. I, I'm trying to say. Cool, scoot. I'm trying to say you're cool. I was like trying to like like make myself look good. That's it. So yeah, but, but you do have some you have some experiences growing up where people took you seriously and those were 
yeah. instrumental in your life. Well, I think just like more than anything, like the way my parents raised me and like the way, I mean, both my parents, but I would say that like my dad, especially like he and I would like, there was never something that we couldn't like talk about. And like, I always like as a kid was given the, like, I, I always like had a chance to like say my voice and it was always taken seriously, if that makes sense. Like if I wanted to argue about something, like my voice was always heard. What are some negative times where people didn't value your voice? The one thing that I can think of is... uh, Voice of the youth. Voice of the youth. Me when I was a teen was my tennis coach, one of them. Uh, Like she did not value my voice at all. I like really was sassy probably at the end of it, but uh, I'm trying to think of like, uh, can I just stop you there while you think Yes. you just said at the end, you had a tennis coach that didn't necessarily value your voice, Yeah. which made you sassy. That's the word you said. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. Like we as adults uh, create unnecessary tension in hmm. our relationship with young people. Probably it, peers and adults, older people too, any people, but we're, we're specifically talking about young people. Right. Um, because we are uh, preemptively putting our foot down when it's not necessary or, or right. we're taking a stand too soon um, or we're sort of creating a black and white enemy type dynamic with, yeah. with kids. Yeah. And then I don't think a lot of adults understand that's going to spark some sass. <laughs> yeah, that's going to spark uh, some like sort of re- a rebellious spirit. Right. And I'm not, I would and never like consider myself, maybe I don't see myself well, but I don't consider myself sassy per se, but <sighs> I don't think you're pretty sassy, oh, but <laughs> gosh. Um, I don't... ask your friends. I don't know. Yeah. They're nodding their heads. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm sassy. <laughs> Oh gosh. I guess it depends on what context you're not consistently sassy. Like in some situations you'll walk into a room and be very quiet and, and small and, (laughs) and, and like hiding. Honestly, when adults don't take me seriously, (laughs) maybe that's it. Yeah. (laughs) But there's some, there's some moments where you just come in with like, well, it's like, um, our other intern last year, Katie, who was peers and a student alongside Macy at SPU would tell these stories about Macy being in class and Macy being known as the person that would kind of come in and sprawl out <laughs> and put her feet up on a desk and just kind of own, own the room. And, and, and both Katie and I said when we first started um, interacting with you that we were intimidated by you. Oh, it, I, that, that, that it was, I mean, it was like sass, but confidence, but, but putting your feet up on a desk in a room is pretty sassy. <laughs> I got called out by my professor. Literally, and I, and the, okay, I, now I just need to defend myself in that. <laughs> I this am not, I am not, it's not an, an accusation. I, well, but it's, it comes across that, that situation I've like thought about a lot because I got called out by my professor and I felt terrible, obviously. And like, obviously, people are like, oh, that's disrespectful, is probably what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, like, I'm just like, there's no space that I shouldn't be free and be allowed to be myself and just be comfy. Like I just want to be comfy always. Ah, so that was probably all that it was. People interpret wanted, it as a power move. Yeah, You're just wanting to be comfy. I just, yeah, I really like. You're also make, wanting to be unique and different. I, I'm rolling my eyes. Uh, <laughs> I like that you said that. Macy just rolled her eyes. Well, they can't see. Ugh, I think we should just be more comfortable. I. That's really my thought. I like genuinely like I get the idea of like being respectful, but I also hate spaces where there's like any set of like, oh, you should act a certain way. Like mm-hmm. act the way you want to act. There shouldn't be like a I I just don't like I don't like formal things either. So I think it's just my personality. But it was uh, not out of me thinking I own the room that I put my feet up on the desk. I think what you're what you're highlighting <laughs> is exactly the right thing as as the voice of the youth. For this episode, at least. The clip we played of Peter Rollins last week talked about this idea of being stationary Mm. and being in a place of peace and calm and acceptance. Yeah. And that that this is the the place that we make our best decisions from, our our most valuable, healthy, productive, wise decisions once we're we're acting from a place of acceptance and calm and peace. 
um, and not like striving and proving and stuff like that. And so what you're, you're naming basically is this idea that, I mean, we're saying in a very silly way, you want to be comfy in your classroom by sprawling out, but you want to be comfy in general. Everybody wants oh, to be yeah. comfy. True. And, and adults, because I, th- I hear, here, I want to say this. Adults, because of their own undealt with issues, hmm. make kids feel uncomfy. Oh. You know? And, and that's, that's not healthy. And that, it creates a lot of problems. Wow. <laughs> that really, like, was a lot and true. Kids, youth, whatever, like, need parents or adults need to own, like, that they're human. I think the more that, like, we can all own our humanity, like, that's helpful for youth, too, and helpful for adults. Like, mm-hmm. I think that there can be, like, with this false wisdom of being older, like, you can get this sense of, like, needing to, like, perform, that, mm-hmm. like, everything's all together. I think that the more honest with where you're at you can be, like, with your kids or with youth or with whatever, the better that is. Like, I know for me working with... I like work with this small group of girls. That's like the best. Uh, and I've known them since they were in sixth grade and now they're going, Oh my gosh, they're going to be sophomores next year. That's wild. Um, for me, like the thing that I try my, I though like the one thing that I super have always cared about since I like started working with them was just like trying to be as like authentic as I could be around them and like be as like as much of a, like a human, like, just like honest with them as I can be and like, not in like a crazy, like tell them my deepest secrets, but like not pretend that I like know more than they do. I mean, I think just the more as people, we can give each other permission to be human and like make mistakes and like have grace towards each other. But I think um, like we can teach that too, like the younger generation, I Mm -hmm. guess by modeling that. Adults should, should be, should be valued for their wisdom, but everybody should be valued for their wisdom. So we don't want to create this false dichotomy where when you engage in a relationship between an older person and younger person, that the older person should necessarily automatically be valued for their wisdom. That, that just creates a, a I false. still don't know what you mean by wisdom here. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I wish I would have thought through that. I, I, I didn't You're really. You're using it a prepared. lot, and I'm just trying to like wrap my head around like exactly what you mean by that. I wish I would have came prepared to unpack that. I said it earlier, but I think I think wisdom um, is talking about like framing reality, like narrating events, talk, uh, talking about the significance of of uh, our lives and current political events and anything. Like it's I don't it's think it's. I get it. You don't? No, I don't. Oh, think this I is get, so good. I, I don't think I get what you're trying to say. <laughs> this is so good. Well, because wisdom, like conventionally, none of that would fit in a definition of what wisdom is. What is the definition of wisdom? Should somebody look it up? While Macy's looking it up, I'll keep talking. For wisdom, I maybe maybe a different word is perspective. Yeah, I think. I think I think I think adults think that they're here to okay. give perspective. You know. Mm. Uh, the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The quality of being wise. Well, thank you. Okay, knowledge and good judgment. Um, oh man, what an interesting word. I mean, because we could really go deep diving into this. Like, yeah. if you if you read like the Proverbs, it's all about wisdom. <laughs> it's and all about wisdom. My dad told me that I should read Proverbs for this. And it, and and there's imagery like in, the, in there's there's <laughs> well there, there's imagery in Proverbs of like wisdom walks through the streets screaming and nobody pays attention. Like Whoa. wisdom is all around us and nobody wants to hear it there. I, I love this idea of like possibly introducing people to important people that everybody should know. There is this, everybody should, there's know. this like psychologist, sociologist, anthropologist. I don't exactly know how many degrees and credentials he has, but he's very well known. He's, a, he's, a, his, his name is uh, Dr. Lee Ross and he is a professor at Stanford and he teaches all over the world, travels all over the world. And he helps with like, people getting along and listening. And he often uh, talks about this idea that we assume, even in our own brains, this is a hard concept to grasp really, that our older selves have a better perspective than our younger selves. So we assume that now that I'm 38, Mm. I'm smarter, use whatever word you want, smarter, wiser, better, more intelligent than my 23-year-old self. Hmm. And he's asking, why do you assume that? 
why why do you automatically assume that your 38 year year old self is more wise than your 23 year old self and he he would say like now that you've been and and this resonates with me now that you've been burdened with uh children and credit and houses (laughs) and like and I personally can think uh, and just attest of like being an adult that lives on Queen Anne. And, and it's just like your every day, you're, you're given a different set of concerns that sort of your mm. ideal 23-year-old self would laugh at. And so to a certain extent, your 23-year-old self would have a wiser vision of what mm. a moral, good, true, healthy, generous life would look like. And your 23-year-old self would call your 38-year-old self out. But we automatically <laughs> think that we're, we're smarter, whatever word you want to use, smarter, wiser, better, sharper, more distinguished, you know, yeah. as we get older. So we, only, we even do that with our own self, let alone other, other, other people in our lives. Yeah, and sometimes I so feel I, like... I, I want to just say, like, any listener should go up and look, get, get your own definition of wisdom yeah, under wraps <laughs> before you proceed with this. I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on wisdom. Wisdom seems very uh, hard to grasp. It's, it, I mean, that's, that's the point, maybe. It's like uh, wisdom isn't easy to pin down. If it was easy, everybody would have it, you know? It, it seems like it just pops up here and there. Yeah. What's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? I think I think wisdom. Which you, you see them I as think wisdom is things. like a very, a very. Uh, I was going to use the word wise, Wis- <laughs> and and we're just spouting off here, right? Oh now. yeah. Wisdom seems to be a a perspective or a commentary on knowledge, like taking knowledge and then, and then using it in a way that's helpful or beneficial to others. Hmm. So knowledge in and of itself isn't very useful, hmm. but what you do with that knowledge is is to me wisdom. That, Interesting. That, that may be true. Uh, somebody. You've defined it. Hit us here. in the DMs. Tell us what you think of that. <laughs> hit us in the DMs. <laughs> there was something you said that I wanted to comment on. I forget what it was. Oh, the age thing. The age thing. We're talking the about age. The age thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this idea of like looking at your, like your younger self and seeing the value in that. And I feel like, I mean, probably because I posted those photos of us being younger. It like made me pause and think back to like just my younger self and like the way that I saw the world. And it's really easy for me to like look back and be like, oh my gosh, I would have hated who I was. Like sometimes I like hate who I was, if that makes sense. But like learning to like love that, and like love your younger self and love your younger perspectives. And like, I think that that is, is helpful Mm -hmm. and like good for us to like try and kind of, I guess like do the work of like re-remembering the way that like you had a youthful imaginative perspective on the world. Like I think uh, it's, it's really easy to only be looking, I guess, forward and not look back and not like look reflectively on like your own perspectives. I don't know. I think I think like sometimes if I were to like go back and read an old like journal of mine, I probably would like gain things. You would gain things if <laughs> you were approaching it with this idea that your younger self had something to teach you. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's true. And I think uh, the fact that we were going to do this podcast episode has made me this whole week like be very like aware when I'm around like youth and children and things like that to like have eyes to see them as like kind of like agents of wisdom and like people who have cool, interesting perspectives, which I like, hopefully I guess try to do that in general, but I was extra, extra aware I would say this week. Um, a recommendation for all recommend- older folks. I, I, re- I recommend extra, that. extra aware. <laughs> extra, extra. Gosh. And it's just like there, I mean, particularly with Cora, the kid that I nanny there, she like has a sense of and this is also her personality, but she has a sense of like, uh, gosh, it's not, I mean, carefreeness kind of on some level, but I think that like her youthful, like we're reading, okay, this is what I'm trying to say. We're reading like the, <laughs> this, we're doing history on World War One. And her perspective is so like, it's funny to me on some level because it's like, why are they fighting? This is so stupid, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, there's like all these complicated things and it's really easy for me to like, want to try and like explain, like, I mean, and 
she's trying to learn about it, so I should try and explain uh, why World War One actually happened. But <laughs> there, there is a sense of like the purity of her question and like what she has to offer in that of like this is just. I mean, I'm a pacifist. Let it be known. So mm. I would say admirable. <laughs> admirable. I would consider myself a pacifist if I was really pushed. Um, but and like I'm, I would say very anti-war. So like when Cora's like snaps. <laughs> when Cora's like uh, like why is this happening? And she's just like, this is so stupid. Like why would he? Like why are they fighting? And like all this stuff. They're very obviously general questions. But I think uh it's easy to dismiss them and not be like, no, like her pure response to this and like reading this is like, what the heck? Like, let's listen to that voice and like, maybe like think about that. This is bringing up the quote I wanted to read. Great. And, and this is from a, 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 a legendary old Testament theologian. His name is Walter Brueggemann. I was about to say, is it Brueggemann? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, he talks, he has a definition of what it means to be a prophet. And I think it's a beautiful definition. But I think part of that is what you're saying, like where many adults feel inclined to say something is complicated, whether that's like a smoke screen or a justification for a war or something that is dark. Uh, young people have a knack typically for cutting through like the BS basically. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes it stings and we don't want to hear it. And that's the part of what I would, I'm trying to emphasize tonight is like as adults, we sort of abuse our power sometimes and mm. shut down that really valuable perspective. That's actually, you know, messing with our preconceived notions. And so here's what Walter Brueggemann, Walter Brueggemann calls a prophet. He says, uh, the prophet engages. I love the idea of thinking of like Cora or other people, youth that we know being prophetic in this way. And I think we all have this power at times. And I do think we should all, try to listen to the prophetic voice in the relationships that we engage in, but, but we're emphasizing youth. So, um, think about this quote with, uh, with youth in mind or young people in mind, the prophet engages in futuring fantasy. The prophet does not ask if the vision can be implemented for questions of implementation are of no consequence until the vision can be imagined. The imagination must come before the implementation our culture is competent to implement almost anything and to imagine almost nothing. The same royal consciousness that makes it possible to implement anything and everything is the one that shrinks imagination because imagination is a danger. Thus, every totalitarian regime is frightened of the artist. It is the vocation of the prophet to keep alive the ministry of imagination, to keep on conjuring and proposing future alternatives to the single one the king wants to urge as the only thinkable one. <laughs> I, I think it's appropriate to say that like as youth leaders, let's just take it to youth ministry. We, we can be kings. We can say this is the only thinkable reality and you have to think of God like we think of God. You have to behave in the way we're asking you to behave. You have to dress how we're asking you to dress. We can create our, as youth leaders, youth pastors, our own weird little kingdoms where everybody worships the ground we walk on. Hmm. And we're not empowering people to have their own voice. And we're definitely not benefiting from, from the prophetic, potential prophetic voices of our youth. But having said that, like it just, when you talked about Cora and her perspective on this war, it's like all these people over the years are saying, here's why it happened. And here's the justification yeah. for it. And it's complicated. And she's like, actually, this is a bunch of <laughs> crap, you know, like, and you're like, like what? Like yeah. a kid can just say that, you know? <laughs> yeah, they like, they, oh, they have no filter. Yeah, no filter. Oh gosh, working with teenagers, they don't have filters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. which, which can be so awesome. Like, yeah, which is like. That's what's great about it. it it's often like refreshing. Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, teenagers are kind, well, they're not mean, but. They kind of are on some level. They can be pretty brutal. They can be brutal yeah. and honest. You have to have a thick skin. Like the prophet is like the person who like is like what the actual frick is going on. Mm -hmm. This place is messed up and tries to like imagine a different way, I guess. And so I think you still are imagining different ways and like we should value that and like cultivate that instead of dismiss it or put it to the side and not not like take it seriously. This is not a scientific statistical approach, but like if you were to say, you know, 
out of every 10 youthful observations, you know, a 16 year old making an observation, maybe one or two out of 10 are going to be prophetic or helpful or profound or beneficial. You're saying that only some of them are? Well, some of them are going to be, <laughs> yeah, some of them are, not, all of us are going to make observations and comments that aren't going to be that great. But I'm, but, but I'm saying the ones that, the ones that are really truly prophetic or helpful or insightful are going to be missed. And that's a tragedy. Do you think that there's some people who are more, well, I guess there probably are some people that are more prophetic than others. I don't know. I don't know about that. It's, it's probably I don't true. Know. I, I don't think, just don't know what to say about that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That just made me think like uh, everybody has something prophetic to say. Yeah, I think that's true. That's the point. Yeah. W- w- one of the images I use is this uh, when we were preparing for this is a tipping of the scales, like the scale oh, yeah. on the side of, of you of, of older folks in any situation, whether you're a 23 year old working with a 16 year old or a 30 year old working with a 25 year old, or 60-year-old engaging in a relationship with a 40-year-old. The, the, the scale, societally speaking, is so heavily tipped towards like assuming this older person has more insight yeah. slash wisdom. <laughs> we, we can't use the word wisdom anymore. It's, it's been tainted. <laughs> um, Define it. Yeah. Um, that it harms the relationship and both people lose out. The, the young person loses and the older person loses. So what I've used thought about this conversation as being like our, our attempt to like even out the scale. Help, like yeah. everybody does have wisdom. Older folks have wisdom, but, but that's all we emphasize. Yeah. That's all we assume is that older folks have wisdom and youth don't. And so we're trying to say like youth actually do have a lot of wisdom. Yeah. So let me just say, and I'd love to hear your responses to this. This is what I think older folks, somebody older, so a 20-year-old working with a 15-year-old, a 30-year-old working with a 20-year-old, this is what an older person does have to offer if they're willing to lean into this, so to speak. So an older person should be able to offer some sense of stability. I think it's the responsibility of an adult as you get older developmentally and in all ways to focus on yourself and become a person that is more reliable, less hectic, <laughs> um, more consistent, more trustworthy, you know? So it's like, it's necessary actually that like teenagers in particular sort of have these massive blips of ups and downs of exploring their identity. Yeah. And developmentally speaking at about 20, 21, 22, you're supposed to have sort of landed on some sense of an identity. And so like (laughs) what, what, what you can, what, what you can offer as a 30 year old or a 40 year old or a 50 year old is I am stable. You're not right now and that's fine. (laughs) And I am so fine with your instability because I'm so stable, you know? So it's not necessarily wisdom, but it's like, in the midst of this exploring and this raging and these emotions, I'm going to offer what I have to offer, which isn't necessarily wisdom and commentary and perspective on the things you're going through, mm. but it's calm, it's steadfastness, it's it's reliability. Like that's what an older person I think can offer a younger person. That's really important. Does that resonate with you? Like, I guess I do just you want that from an older person. I don't like the idea of putting someone in a box of being like, this is what older people should they like must reach these like characteristics. I mean, I guess when I think about my own life, like I like the idea that that's like an older person, they like can offer stability and they don't need to necessarily offer like this, uh, like they're. Think about the older people in your life. Yeah, I know. Would you hope that they're stable? Yeah, no, I would. Yeah. So I do agree with you. I just am instinctually like, that's a lot of expectations on adults. I think I think there should be some big expectations on adults. I think there aren't. Are you talking just adults who like have kids or what if you're an adult and you don't want to have kids? I think as you get older, here here's here's one of the main points of the whole podcast in my mind, this episode at least or whatever episode uh, installment. <laughs> 
is there's almost, I, I have this metaphor image in my mind of like a, a medal or a medallion preemptively and unfairly being bestowed on an older person that, that is a medal of wisdom. Like you have to earn wisdom. You don't just get to say, because I'm older, I'm, I'm automatically wise. Right. And what you should be striving for as you get older, developmentally speaking, is stability. Like it's on you to make sure you're stable. Deal with your issues. <laughs> you know, like be honest with yourself. Explore the hard parts of your life so that, so that you can, as you get older, be a more uh, reliable, like I said, steadfast, um, healthy person. I would not expect a 17 year old to do that. Yeah. I, I expect myself to be able to, as I'm engaging with a 17 year old, provide a space like in, in my interaction with that person that feels safe and stable and comfortable. That makes sense. I think it's hard for me cause I'm like 23. So I'm like in between. Yeah. I, I think I like, I'm striving to be stable, but I'm so far from it that I'm like, don't have that expectation. No, I don't have that <laughs> expectation on you, but I, but I think, um, I think first of all, you already do that with your kids. So you are stable with your kids and, and, and knowing you, like there are elements to all of us. There's elements that to my personality in my life that aren't stable. There are elements to your life and personality that aren't stable, but it's mature and stable to not share those with kids and to have community in our life yeah, yeah. that helps us process that stuff. But, um, as a 23 year old, I have, I have, I have, uh, whatever word you want to use, I don't know, smaller expectations than I would have on my peers at this point. That annoys me <laughs> in terms of stability. You think I should oh. expect you to be as stable as I am? Oh gosh, <laughs> I guess. Oh, this is making me pause. Cause I feel like here's a question. It's a genuine question. Yeah. What 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 do you want out of a relationship with somebody that's older in your life? Like say, I just say want, Neen House. I, I, I just dad. want them to take me seriously. I think that that's it. Like, but but some somebody can't take you seriously if they're insecure in their own beliefs or yeah. their own self because it's a threat to them. I'm just thinking in terms of stability now. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I guess that's the expectation on older people. And I guess like when I'm watching like a kid, it's the expectation that I like will be stable, mm-hmm. you know, and like be able to handle a situation. I don't know. This is just making me think of like the power we put on age. I feel like age can almost be like used in a negative way. Like, like, yeah, yeah. abused. Yeah, abused. Yeah. 100%. I guess, yeah, if, a, if people are older are just thinking in terms of providing stability, then like that can't really get too abused. I think Walter Brueggemann said the royal consciousness. Like it's, 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 it's this idea of like this tyrannical, you know, probably patriarchal one note, powerful vision hmm. of what reality is. I think a stable person can heal, hear multiple interpretations of reality because they're not afraid of that. I think it's the job of an adult to approach a, a kid. Oh, dang, I, I could go off on this. Go off. With multiple... <laughs> Okay, I don't want an adult to approach a kid with an agenda of like bestowing wisdom. I would rather an adult approach a kid with curiosity first and foremost. So Mm -hmm. let's let's just that have, let's have that be the main thing, curiosity. (laughs) But but what's driving that curiosity? A, A deep belief that this young person might have a perspective or word of wisdom that could teach you something. Yeah. And you are excited to be enriched by that student's or kid's or young person's perspective. Hmm. And, and not only that, but that your curiosity will awaken this young person's voice. Hmm. You, you, that, 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 like to your point, in terms of the people you've experienced in your life, um, will make that person feel like that they do have a perspective yeah. that needs to be heard. I think if we took youth seriously as a whole, took youth seriously, like our whole world would change. Yeah. That's my that's my optimistic Macy <laughs> thought. That's great. <laughs> I just think yeah no I think like uh, youth and kids have yeah so many insights and like they again the no filter thing mm-hmm. they're not afraid like they're they're less afraid I think is part of it too but I think youth and children like can offer us a reminder of like I don't think innocence is probably the right word but just like a reminder of like 
like hope and a reminder of like, just like experiencing the joy of life and not having to like, they're, they're more carefree. I think that's there's this, the, the idea that their, their carefreeness is what makes them prophetic. Like we're always over as adults, overthinking everything and trying to be politically correct and trying to notice everybody's feelings in the room and, and, and analyzing and weighing everything we're about to say. Yeah. And, and, and young people just say what they see. Yeah. I think, I think young people are on one sense, just like more free. I don't know. I think also just like hanging out with youth and kids is it's helpful. Like they have fun in a way that's like reminds you to that, like when you're around your friends or around the people you love, like you just want to have fun and be like goofy together. And like, Oh, kids remind us to be goofy and oh. youth remind us to like yes. joke and take life a little less seriously, which I think we all, I think we need that. in I don't know, today's world, whatever that means. I think, I think one of the, the distinctions we make is the distinction between childish and childlike hmm. childish seems like, you know, uh, unhealthy and temperamental and, hmm. uh, you know, uh, dangerous, you know, to a certain extent, like a, a, a three-year-old throwing a tenter, temper tantrum is childish right. and we shouldn't expect that of a 30-year-old. Yeah. But a child like is to remember our innocence and how fun and sweet it is to play mm-hmm. and to dance and stuff like that. <laughs> so this, this little quote I'm going to read, I want to see your, or hear your reaction. Um, is from this book called How uh, Children Raise Their Parents. This should just be Macy Reacts to Age Quotes. Macy Reacts, <laughs> not necessarily to a new Kanye West song. This is to a <laughs> passage from a book. Um, so he says this. Why is it so hard to believe that God intends our children to train us just as much as he intends us to train and guide our children? Why is it so inconceivable that God would design a child to be the best qualified human to thwart and shatter a parent's arrogance and self-righteousness? And why don't we put this responsibility to learn on par with the parent's responsibility to rightly shape the hearts and minds of a child? Wait, can I look at it? Yeah. (laughs) Let's just throw out the statement slash idea concept that uh, a, a kid slash youth slash child could possibly be the most effective method of thwarting a parent or older person's arrogance. I think that's probably true. I I think I don't, I also, again, get annoyed by this certain language that it's like almost this idea that like that's the child's job and what they're made for. Um, Oh, but yeah, that's complicated. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that adults should, I mean, arrogance is stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like uh, but we are all arrogant. I know, I know. I mean, I say that and I'm arrogant in so many yeah. areas of my life, but like I do think that if parents or adults were to like pause, I think and listen to children and not like uh feel like they have some power over children and something greater than them, then yeah, like that that's humbling. Yeah. I th- th- this is uh, something um this is, this is a great little handy sentence. It's one of those like reposts on Facebook that I liked. And it, uh, this woman said, uh, public service announcement, there's no shame in admitting that you were previously speaking from a less informed place. There's a lot of info in the world. No one has it all. We do our best, and at our best, we help each other learn. Hmm. And so like you could, you could think about that in terms of youth ministry or parenting too. Like I, I, this, this is really dark, but I think what I've experienced and I can be honest with my own heart sometimes that, that I could probably, you know, stray into this way of thinking of like, we feel so thrown off balance and so threatened and so small in our own daily lives that we, we do and can turn our families or our youth ministries into our own private little kingdoms where we rule with an iron fist. And because we don't feel respected and listened to and valued, in our daily lives, we force our spouses and kids to treat us that way. And I have a, I, I can do that. I can definitely do that. I have probably done that, but I definitely noticed that in the families I've worked with at times. And that's dark. Hmm. That's not good. Like uh, when you can admit that we don't have all the information that 
Yeah. There's something that we can gain from listening to our kids that they actually have, they are actually the authority on their own lives. Hmm. They're actually the authority on their own youth culture. Hmm. Um, they actually have more insight into what's actually going on in the hallways of their schools and the oh, wow. facial expressions and tones of voices and the way the teachers treat them. If we're going to shut that down, that's dark. This is not a small thing, uh, no small thing. Um, <laughs> That that uh, that it's the general consensus. It's a general assumption that adults are more wise, and I just I just don't think that's true. I don't either. Yeah, I think uh, that's the end. The <laughs> Macy agreed with me. <laughs> <laughs> I think this just makes me think of recently, like my relationship with my parents has, like, I don't know. I think part of its age. Ages, age. We're talking about age. We're talking but, about age. Uh, people make mistakes. It happens. And I'm like in my twenties, and uh, just like, like feel so lost, like in my twenties, and feel so like, well, I don't know what to do, and I'm constantly like trying to manage things, and like I don't know how to manage all this like adulting things, and I can like very quickly like feel like, oh my gosh, like I have to figure it out. I have to be this perfect adult. Like my parents have like had it together, I guess, you know? And the best thing, the best thing that my parents could have done and are doing in my life is just like reminded me and told me stories of like them in their twenties and like them making mistakes and like them being honest about like, yeah, like I, I was thinking these things and like having all this together. And I remember I had a conversation with my dad recently. I was like super upset and I was like crying and I was just like, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to figure out my life and like freaking out. And he was like, he like started going a little bit off about like, Macy, you're going to like be all these things. And like, it was very sweet, but I was like, dad, like I just need you to listen and empathize right now. And he was like, oh, okay. And then he was like, man, like that reminded me of when I was 23. And like, that's a really scary place. Like, I so quickly jumped to like knowing that like you're going to be okay. And like you, I have this perspective of like, I've been there and like, I know what it's like. And I know that like, you can like, you'll get past this like stage of thinking. He was like, but it was helpful for me that you just said like pause. And like, I put myself in that, that like age space. The fact that he did that was so sweet. And like, he like heard me, like he heard that I was like, I know, like I get like, he heard my like hurt. And like, I think in that, like, uh, I don't know what this is to do with age anymore, but he like, sounds took, pretty stable he took to my, me. Oh gosh, mm-hmm. that sounds like stability. You're right. I mean, and as you were saying <laughs> the stability thing, I'm like, dang, my parents are stable and nice. Shoot, and <laughs> That's what they've offered me as I've gone through existential crisis. <laughs> I mean, I think you should also share if 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 I'm if I'm remembering this right, you d- your dad said something along the lines of like your life is your canvas. Oh yeah, that was the same day. My yeah. my dad had a good we had a good chat that day. But yeah, he was like, your life is. Oh, and also my parents. I don't know. I'll talk, I'll ask them if this is fine. But they started going to therapy, and that was the best thing that could have happened. And like the fact that they just like started to learn more about themselves and that's becoming more stable. Yeah. Oh gosh. (laughs) Now I'm with that. But what was I saying about my parents? Oh, the canvas thing. Oh yeah. So my dad that day was like, you know, like here's the thing, like you're your own. It's so cheesy, your own canvas. And he was like, I'm not going to pick up the paintbrush at all anymore. Like it's, Mm. it's all up to you to like paint whatever picture you want on it. And I think uh, gold, gold. Yeah. Gold Gold. dad, gold dad advice. The gold um, standard. Um, let me let me just ask you like a few questions. See what you can do with this. <laughs> what has uh, been most helpful in terms of like the professors, older folks in your life that have been sort of mentor, you know, guide type roles in your life? Like what what has been helpful to you? Um, helpful has been. Adults that like, oh gosh, I I do, I think a lot of my professors, I like really had like a few really significant professors who changed the way I saw myself, I guess. I think what would be help, like what I consider helpful is in the classroom even and like outside of the classroom, like if I said something like it was like with certain professors, I'm thinking of, do I name names? 
Might as well. I, I don't I think don't they know. mind. I don't think they mind. I don't know. I guess. I mean, I just think of so like. So you had a professor. Okay. So like Neenhouse and Dr. Holmes specifically, like both of them like made it very clear. And Why not? Like, Are they going to sue you or something? I don't know. How dare you talk about po- me positively in a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I remember Dr. Holmes was to, we was our John class, a whole class on the book of John in the Bible. My Scandalous. oh my. My oh my. My oh my. Uh, I, very beautiful writing. Um, and she's writing a commentary on John. Side note. What side note? Book of John is your favorite. It's probably my favorite gospel. Um, <laughs> Anyways, uh, we were taking a class on John and, uh, she was writing a commentary on John at the time. And I remember her saying in front of the class, like, Hey, I'm writing a commentary. Like, I like, don't know all the direction that's going to go in. And she was like, I can't wait for like this quarter of us doing this together and like getting to read your papers and hear your insights. And like, she genuinely, like as a person who was helping her, I was her TA then. And I like was helping write little notes for her book. Like, I could see that like she was learning and being influenced by her students and that was helping her to like understand scripture better or whatever. And so like that was just like a small example of like this, I like where I started to feel like, no, I have something to contribute in this Mm. space and Mm. like my voice will be taken seriously. And I mean, I think there are other just professors who like when I had something to say, like you can, there's certain like, I don't know if it's like non-verbal cues or things, but like I think people can tell when you take like when they're taking you seriously. Like it it's it shows and it's obvious. And like other professors like Dr. Neenhaus, he like there's a group of us who like just kept asking him a bunch of questions because we're taking these theology classes, which theology is just kind of a trip to study because it's just trying to study the un understandable. Um <laughs> <laughs> wrapped up in patriarchal history and wow. all of this other baggage. Uh, <laughs> but that like, it brought up a lot of issues and brought up a lot of questions and things like that. And a bunch of me and these other people, um, were asking him like emailing him questions and he was like, let's just all get together. And once a week we just got together and could just talk about whatever we wanted with this professor. And I know that he just loved it. Like, I know that he loved just like hearing us and like getting to like understand our perspectives. And like, he wanted to know like what we were thinking. And like, we wanted, like we all got together and just got to share and talk about our ideas. And it was the most like helpful thing. And again, like gave me voice. Like it just continued to like remind me that like my opinions matter and that like what I have to say, like it can make change or like, it's not stupid. I think, I think that like maybe adults don't realize it that like uh, younger people are often like kind of expecting adults to think that what they have to say like isn't isn't as valued. Mm. I think what's so key to what you're saying is like it doesn't seem like Neenhouse was uh, humoring you. Oh no, yeah, I or that's it. You. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not. It wasn't done out of yeah. It was just out of genuine like he saw us as human. Yeah. Um, I had one more thing to say. I don't remember. Say 10 more things. Well, I have a question. Um, Well, first of all, I would say one of the things that brings up for me that I think is really special to me is uh, we had a a, a pastor that did this thing called partners in preaching, partners Hmm. in preaching. And it was as she prepared for her sermon each week. Well, Macy's met this person, Heidi. Um, Husted Armstrong. (laughs) We're giving all the shout outs. All the shout outs. Um, throughout the week as she prepared for her sermon, she would invite people to come having read the passage that she was going to preach on and offer their insights, not only theologically, but like more importantly, contextually. Hmm. Like what did this passage have to offer our particular community? Yeah. And I think I imagine and suspect that Dave Neenhouse was working under some sort of like theological conviction that uh, even though he has some expertise and insight in in terms of what certain passages mean, you actually are the experts on how that plays out in your daily lives. Hmm. And he needs to hear from you uh, in order to, you know, give that passage or that scripture life. Hmm. And that's just a very true statement. Whether you're a Christian or a religious person or anything like that's true. That's a, that is a true thing. Like 
we need the people on the ground in every context to be able to say whether this works or doesn't, uh, whether this this insight or this idea or this uh, con- concept mm-hmm. works in reality. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So are we done? No, I want to <laughs> say one thing. It is it is a calling on all adults in our in in life to be more curious. I mean, that's my biggest word. To be more curious towards young people and to explore themselves, work on themselves, do the hard work that it takes that but that's expected of an adult to be mature and stable so that they can be the people that they're needed to be in the in the lives of young people. But what young people don't need is this this wisdom slash perspective slash dispensing of information what 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 young people need the most is warmth coziness stability safety what what we can give that that is most profound to young people is a sense of peace and comfort and safety not necessarily perspective that's what i would want people to have a takeaway but i don't want i don't necessarily want the final word i'm just sensing like I want to say that. I think, no, I think that's, do you want a final word? I don't think so. I think, I mean, dude, you're passionate about this. I'm passionate. He's, he's a dad who lives it out. (laughs) So (laughs) there's that. I'm a dad and a youth pastor. I don't, I don't have a final word except for that. Yeah. Like pause and take, take people seriously. Someone tells you about an experience and they're trying to say something and like bring you alongside that. Come at it with open arms. Like be open to that. And that's like goes to youth of like, or children who are like are experiencing pain or something going on in their life. Like, or anyone like just be open and like trusting to people that like what they have to say is like at least their truth. And like, we have something to learn from their truth and their perspective and what they've been through. That was my final word. Snaps. Mm. (laughs) How are we doing outros? Should we just say, uh, (laughs) thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks. We're really week. glad that you listened to this crazy, wild conversation on age and wisdom. When we don't know the definition of wisdom, we went off our notes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we realized right smack dab in the middle of the conversation that we don't understand what wisdom is. <laughs> so we need to do some research. <laughs> so come at us. Yeah, <laughs> on social media, please. <laughs> People will do that. Okay. They've, they've already proven that they'll do it. It's true. Okay. Bye, everybody. Okay, so we have our, what are these segments? And uh, Scott. We're in, the, we're in the segments portion. We're in the segments portion of the show. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a recommendation, which I should have, and Scott doesn't have a thought. So this is great. Which I'll I give a thought. I, sh- I, I should have had a thought. And I should have had a recommendation. You blew it. But it's fine. Um, so my <laughs> thought of the week, I still don't know what we're doing with this necessarily, but. It's the listener's fault. They haven't sent us what they want. <laughs> it's not so. the listener's fault. <laughs> My thought of the week, I had two, but I'm, I don't know which one to pick. Mm. Uh, okay. Do both. And then I'll, I'll no, cut no, one no, out. No, no, I've picked the it. Editing. It is the word. It's just been my reflection, I guess, of the week and thought that I've been like meditating on, I guess, of the week. And it's just trust. <laughs> Very simple word. Mm, I like this. It is written in our mirror in our bathroom. Um, and what I've been like, it's, that's obviously like a big broad word. We hear that word a lot. Um, but for me, I guess this week, it's been a helpful reminder. Like, first of all, like to trust myself and like trust. And what I mean by that is like this idea of trusting, like I know who I am and like, I know like that I'm good. I know that I like am loved. I know that I am like worthy of love and like, it's really easy to forget that. And it's really easy to like think it's really easy to fall into the, like, I don't know the like idea that people are, I don't know, judging you and like this. I mean, guys, I put out a podcast and I like, I'm really sharing my heart in this. And so I think, uh, I've had to trust in myself and trust that like, I'm good. And that that's like, I'm good enough for, life, I guess. If I back the camera up, like, it's okay. Like, I'm okay. Like, just kind of like, I don't know. 
that word has just been helpful. And then the last way that I've like been using, like thinking about it is just this idea of like the way we place trust in other people and like, like how I can like be a person who like holds and trusts other and like just trust that like, I mean, even just, we talked about this as like podcasters and like friends of this idea of like building up like a level of trust that trusts like that knows that like, like the last way that I would say I've seen like trust is like, like trusting myself around other people and like trusting that like when I'm around other people, like they want to be that like my voice matters and their voice matters and like trusting that like we are seeing that in each other. Mm. Um, I think trust also implies this idea of like seeing the world with like more hopeful eyes. Ruben, what are you doing? Uh, trust That's, is my thought. That's distracting for an INFP. It's distracting. <laughs> uh, he was moaning earlier. That was really distracting. <laughs> <laughs> Not intentionally. Not intentionally. Accidentally moaning. <laughs> I thought of the week is trust. The thought of the week from Macy is trust. <laughs> trust. That trust the people in your life. Yeah, but trust more, the people closest to you. I guess, and also just like, uh, I, I mean, we got into this huge debate earlier, like a week ago, about goodness and humanity, and like whether we're all evil to the core, good to the core. We all are evil to the core. That's, That's a fact. But I think for me, trust. Like, I mean, I think trust in goodness. I think is more than anything, and like that that potential goodness. No, goodness. <laughs> and I this think is your thought. that begins with like yourself and then like it spreads out into like your interactions. But like for me more than anything, I would say that like my thought of the week has just been like trusting. I mean, trust that you're good. Trust that you are good. Mm. And mm. I think that like that will be better for the world. Mm. Ruminations. Future ruminations will happen on that topic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't have a thought of the week. I have a recommendation of the week. And uh, I like to think that, like, maybe we'll put, we, we said that we'll post this in our social media. We'll, we will put this in our social media, the, the books that I've been talking about, which is The Self-Driven Child. Oh, yeah. Another one I would recommend is Scream-Free Parenting or The Self-Centered Marriage and many other great resources. Um, this is going to be completely out of that, but, uh, I would recommend the new Kanye West album. Oh. And I, 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 I won't say this in terms of like, it's something that's going to necessarily uplift you, but in terms of the, in the spirit of prophetic words, it's going to, um, mess with you, disturb you, disrupt you. Um, uh, I felt too many freaking emotions yeah. from this album. And if you're a person, uh, which makes out there, me annoyed at Kanye. Right, yeah. If you're a person out there right now that doesn't like the person Kanye West, maybe you'd appreciate the artist. And it's like, I, I don't think I'm like the person that would really truly enjoy spending an evening hanging out and having fun with Kanye West. But um, in terms of his music and art, I think it's something that has the potential to really impact all of us. So it's a recommendation, not in sense, I'm not recommending it in the sense of like, oh, you will have a really, really peaceful experience with this new album and just just enjoy how pleasant and fun it is but I, I recommend it in the sense of like if you're looking to be a a, 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 a little bit disrupted and a little bit um, uh, actually moved and inspired too disrupted moved inspired yeah I was all the it. first two listens big feels like angry angry that's and I'm sure that's what he'd want I'm I know sure that's I want. hate that he does that <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. oh Kanye really gets gets us he's got our number <laughs> Um, okay. We want to acknowledge this last week. Do you want to say anything about this? Oh last yeah. Week? Uh, thank we, you. We, for can, we can say a few things and then hand it to Matthew. Yeah. Can can we just say like a huge thank you? Thank you. Like, uh, first of all, we're surrounded. Like my friends are all here. Like 
cross-stitching and embroidering and coloring and doodling and like being so supportive. So like, thanks. Uh, this is such a goofy thing. And so many people have liked and subscribed, I guess. And that, that means a lot. We're like doing this. We're making a podcast. Uh, and a part of that thank you is thanks for your guys' feedback. Keep it up. Uh, the best thing that you could do is give us a review on iTunes. I think. Honestly, we have two right now. We have we, two. Uh, let me, let me clarify that. We have uh, at least it, it, last time I checked 15 ratings, <laughs> two reviews, two reviews. Is that, is that wrong? Jack says 17, 17 ratings, two reviews. It's, it's really helpful to have both. So if you're, if you're going to go and rate us, that's a click, but just write a little review. And honestly, I'm telling you right now, uh, a negative review is just fine. Yeah. Go ahead oh, and write yeah. something. Go ahead. Please and write. call Scott out on not knowing his definition of wisdom. I don't know. That, and and <laughs> tell me that you're, that you're angry that I like, or have recommended Kanye West. That's fine. Yeah. And destroy our definition of art. <laughs> Please. Uh, so, okay. So, so let's just say that. Let's just say that. Um, this last week, between now and last week, we went live on iTunes. Yeah. Which was a fun milestone for us. And we have received several sweet, encouraging texts from people. And we've also received some fun and interesting pushback <laughs> in, in email form from some friends of ours. <laughs> is that a good way of saying it? It's like very cryptic. Fun and interesting. Is that, was I being cryptic? Yeah. We received an email that point blank went through and dissected our entire episode and told us pretty much most of the points that we were wrong, but it was in a very great way. The best thing we could have ever asked for. Yeah. What I, what I'm here's, here's what I would say about that. And then if Macy Show disagrees, <laughs> possibly friend of me, um, uh, this is all about conversation and engagement. So I'm not like celebrating people that agree. Please disagree. That's a, that's a beautiful, huge, amazing, uh, ideal thing. And so like, even though, even though disagreement might trigger me into feeling like, uh, argumentative, it's still optimal. I, I still want the disagreement. Yeah. So we had a disagreement this week. Somebody sent us a long email disagreeing with our, uh, suggestions for playlists that I've already formulated a mountain of responses to, but, um, uh, great. So good. I, I love, I love the disagreement. Go ahead and disagree. Yeah. Feel, feel comfortable disagreeing. Feel cozy. Feel cozy. Welcome <laughs> to the conversation. <laughs> Should I hand my microphone to Matthew? I don't yeah. know what he wants to yeah. say. Okay. Here is Maddie Lauder, our producer. Boop, boop. Hey everybody. It's Matthew Lauder, producer and friend of the podcast. Thanks for listening this week. Really glad to have you. I just wanted to let you know that we are live on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Please interact with us there in the comments section, add us, tweet, everything. And also, if you do have more long-form uh, responses, you can go ahead and email us at nosmallthingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, that's about it. Thanks for being here this week, you guys. Woo! Good night. Good night. <laughs> uh, last, last week we acknowledged and explained that uh, Reuven is Macy's housemate. Yeah. Reuven has just officially said good night. Good night. So I think that means it's, a, it's, it's over. We're done. Good night. Bye. Macy's put down her microphone. <laughs>